Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had, who had been crucified with him. But they had came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a, with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it, was born, saw it was born witness, his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, that you may also believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and another, and another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, um, who was a disciple of Jesus, was secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, also who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, although about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths and the spices as the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was also a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. You may be. Thank you, Casey. To whom shall I go and what for? The pleasures of life are right here in the presence of the Lord. What a bold thing to sing. What a declaration. To whom shall I go and what for? The pleasures of life are right here in the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that in your presence there is joy evermore. Thank you for your promise to be with us when we gather like this. We gather in your name, trusting that you are just as faithful as you've ever been. There's nothing going on in our lives right now that, that are, that's too hard, too complicated, too, too far gone for you to take from us and make something beautiful out of. Lord Jesus, would you help us this morning, in this moment, to entrust ourselves to you once again, all of ourselves. Give us courage. Give us humility. We love you, Lord. Amen. About 20 years ago, um, I heard a story that changed my life forever. You ever heard a story like that? Maybe seen a movie, um, read a book. But one of these stories that's so impactful, and it was a true story, so like powerful, resonate, resonated so true that it, it literally altered like the course of my life, changed my like fundamental trajectory. I've never ever been the same since. Have you ever heard one of these stories? Um, over two decades ago, 
I heard someone say, I've, I've experienced a truth that I know is true, and I want to share it with you that you too might believe. Kind of like what we've just read here. I want to share a story with you, something that I've experienced, witnessed up close, and I swear to you it's true. I was there. I saw it with my own eyes, and I want to share it with you that you can believe as well. I believed the story that God became one of us, that the creator of the universe descended, condescended unto humanity, became like one of us, only lived a sinless life, and then died for me, for us. Went to a Roman cross, suffered, and died so that I might receive forgiveness. Forgiveness. What a gift. I believed that not only did God do that and die for my sins, he came back to life, thus securing hope. Not just forgiving me, but then inviting me to like go on this ad- adventure to, to join God's family, to become an adopted child of God and experience like what life is really all about. Ab- abundant life, as Jesus puts it. Like real life. Um, beginning now, at least in part, and then for eternity to come. I believed that. When you say it out loud, it almost feels a little like crazy slash like audacious. Like what a story. What a story. Many of you have heard this true story and you, like me, have believed. And it's changed you. And when you say it out loud, you're like, my goodness, who believes a story like that these days? A lot of people. A lot of people. Millions throughout history. Billions, I guess. And lives are still being transformed to this day. How's that for a story? The good news of death and resurrection in Jesus Christ. Jesus died for me, atoning for my sins. And Jesus conquering the grave, vindicating his death, proving that he is the son of God. And that he truly does reign over all creation, even death and hell itself. Come, follow me, he would say. And you can experience this life, pleasures forevermore. Um, therefore, therefore, like what's, how does one actually like respond to a story like that? What do you do with a story like that? Therefore, as I trust and follow Jesus, I too die uh, to myself, as it were. I surrender my agenda. I relinquish control. I, I, I die to myself daily, as Jesus would put it, and I, I follow him and, and, and then experience, like him, new life. And so I, although I can't die for myself, I can, I can die with Jesus. And, and in that, that process, that journey of, of dying and, and experiencing a new life, I begin to participate in this thing that Jesus has done for me. Oh, what a trip. What a trip. This is the gospel. The good news of surrender and hope. Which means no matter what I've been through, 
uh, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I may face, I can have hope in this life. As crazy as it might feel to sing out loud, I still believe that there is pleasure in the presence of Jesus in this life, in this life. Um, I can take heart. I love the way Jesus put it um, earlier on in the book of John. He said, take heart. You will have trials. You will face many things in this life, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And perhaps my favorite of all, the psalmist in Psalm 27, he says, the Lord is the light of my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my refuge in life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In Jesus Christ, I have refuge, I have salvation, I have hope, not only forgiveness, but I'm invited to experience the life that I was given life for in the first place. Who shall I fear? What situation can be greater than that? I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, is how Psalm 27 ends. Because of who God is in Christ and what he's done for me, I believe. Oh, I believe. As crazy as it sounds. I believe the story. I believe the story. Do you? I can take heart, and this is the gospel, at least in part. Now, I don't know how long it took me, um, but I don't know, maybe a few years, a decade plus. Sometimes it feels like I've only just begun to, to figure out the fact that actually that's only part of the story. Death and resurrection, it's not the whole story. You know that. Uh, last week, if you missed it, Pastor Seth Trimmer, um, our sending pastor at Grace City in Corvallis, um, preached a message on the cross. He jumped right into our series in John, and, and he talked about why Jesus died and the gift of forgiveness and how God like, meets our, our real deepest, most fundamental need, and that is forgiveness of sins, and it was fantastic. And he actually referenced the ancient uh, gospel creed in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that goes like this. The ancient creed says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to many, many witnesses. But that's incomplete, is it not? It is actually incomplete. Um, I skipped a half a verse. Did anyone catch it? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 actually reads like this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared 
to many, many witnesses. I don't know how many years it took me to discover that there's something in between death and resurrection. It's actually part of the creed. There's not many, many things bullet pointed in that ancient gospel creed. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Then Jesus rose on the third day and began appearing alive to many, many witnesses. For on the journey from death to resurrection, burial is also part of the process. Between surrender and hope, the follower of Jesus must also receive a proper burial. Because in burial, the Lord binds our wounds with linen and spices. He preserves our wounds for the long journey to come. Um, I think many, maybe most of us, that have like, been around Bible teaching for a while, maybe you've taken a theology course or two, um, have some kind of a theology of crucifixion. Like, what, what, do, what are we meant to understand about God's death on the cross for our sins? And we probably have a theology, although often underdeveloped, underdeveloped theology of resurrection. Like, what, what does it mean that Jesus not only died an atoning sacrifice for my sins, but he came back to life and then offers us, invites us to experience this new life. But what about the part in between? Like, what about life? <laughs> what about burial? What about those three days in between the cross or crucifixion and the empty grave? God is doing something else there, and I'd like to suggest we need a theology of burial to round out the story. Between surrender and hope, the follower of Jesus must also receive a proper burial because in burial, the Lord binds our wounds with linen and spices. He preserves our wounds for the long journey home. If Jesus' death brought us forgiveness and his resurrection hope, then what does our participation in his burial imply? If with Christ I die to myself, and if with Christ I rise again with him to experience new life, then what do I do in participating in his burial? What does that mean? And how is it meant to round out the story in my life? In burial, the Lord tends to our broken lives, wrapping us in linen and spices, laying us in an unused tomb, showing us dignity and preserving our wounds before we arise. You know, part of Roman crucifixion was actually the shame of being left 
to hang on the cross and slowly picked apart by the vultures. That was meant to be like the pinnacle of the experience, the ultimate experience in human suffering and truly shame. That the victim not, would, would not only die a horrific death, Jesus suffocated when the centurion was commanded to go and break the legs of those three being crucified. We're told that Jesus didn't need to have his legs broken because he had already died. He had already been brutally tortured before they even pinned him to the cross. And so he didn't need his legs broken. He had already suffocated under the weight of his own body. But if that's not bad enough, the victims would have been left to hang there on the cross. No burial, no dignity, no remembrance. Just let them hang while the birds of prey pick their flesh apart. But a couple of secret disciples mustered the courage to appeal to Pilate and they said, can we have his body? We want to wrap him in linen and spices. Joseph of Arimathea, how you pronounce it, sorry, who knows, who knows? Uh, we're told he was a rich man. He was a leader among the Sanhedrin. Um, he had a tomb in a garden that had never been used. So he used his influence, his wealth, to get the body of Jesus so that Jesus could be buried with dignity. As a part of um, the burial itself is where the story of redemption truly begins. In burial, the Lord tends to our broken lives wrapping us in linen and spices, laying us in an unused tomb, showing us dignity and preserving our wounds before we arrive. In burial, the Lord preserves our wounds. The implications are manifold. You have wounds, yeah? So I'll tell you when I began to realize the story that I believed that changed my life wasn't quite complete. It was missing a theology of burial because I understood forgiveness. I understood that I was a sinner and I needed to be forgiven. Like I understood that. I understood brokenness. I understood addiction. I understood that either I could die for myself or I could turn to Jesus and let him die for me. Now, if I had died for myself, that wouldn't have really worked out because I'd be dead and in hell. Um, so instead... I turned to Jesus, and I said, Jesus, if, if this is true, if this is a true story, and you truly died for me, then yes, please. Yes, please. I have no problem with that. I needed to be forgiven. Got that. And then I read a book or two on, like, resurrection. I'm like, well, this is fantastic. So not only have I been forgiven, but I'm like, I've got, like, hope. Hope is real. It's not just a, uh, like, a, an aspirational like sentimental, wishful thinking feeling. This is like, if Jesus is actually alive, that means there's hope for no matter like what the situation, no matter how bad it gets or how dead I feel or how broken my life becomes, there's hope. 
I mean, Jesus went into the grave. He died and came back to life. Hope is real, but what about... And then I began to experience this, what I would call like a theological dissonance. I'm like, well, but what about the part in the middle? Because I, I still feel like I'm, I'm, I'm walking around doing life with a lot of wounds, a lot of pain. And although I've experienced some pretty radical freedom, and I have one of these uh, stories, we call them testimonies in the church. You got a testimony? Everyone's got a testimony. My testimony was um, I was in college, and I was smoking pot every day. And if you smoke pot in here, you're like, hey, it's illegal. Don't bash me for smoking pot. I used to smoke pot every day. And I'm telling you, it was like I was, if you could actually be addicted to this, I was totally addicted to this thing. I realized after a lot of pretty good therapy and, and years to come that I was using it to just numb, like pain, layer upon layer upon layer of just pain. And I kind of knew that intuitively. Like, I, I loved getting high, uh, but I hated it. Because I kind of, like, deep down I knew, like, what, what's, I'm really just trying to numb. I'm trying to mask. I'm trying to avoid, escape some deep down brokenness. Um, and yet, when I said, yes, Jesus... I, I choose you, or I, I receive you, or I, I theologically, I don't know how it works, but yes, please, and I raised my hand in a meeting, and I prayed a prayer, and I got saved, I became a Christian, and bam, like, that was the very last, that day I'd gotten high, probably a couple times, it was a long time ago, that day I went to the meeting high, I left pretty sober, I haven't, I haven't smoked pot since. And I'm not trying to make a like commentary on like marijuana. That's, that's like a whole thing. For me, this is my story, for me it was like an experience of freedom. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't have to like use this thing anymore to just numb. Like, like Jesus is now doing something, something really, really cool. And this is like weird because I've tried to stop doing things like that many, many, many times. And then, bam, set free. Same thing with porn. Now, porn was a little bit different. Um, I experienced, like, the relatively same degree of, like, instantaneous freedom. And it lasted for, like, a long time. But here's, here's what I realized. Here's, here's my point in sharing all of this. Here's what I realized. I'm just using my specific life as an example that although I'd experienced what felt like radical, virtually instantaneous, like freedom, deliverance in these, these, these ways in my life, I still had wounds. Like it wasn't, okay, I'm, I'm saved and I'm, I have a hope and I'm just basically killing time in between. No, there was something else happening. What I was experiencing, what I was feeling was burial god tending to my wounds and of course like death like resurrection burial isn't just something that happens one time there's not this like linear thing that we experience in life it's part of the story that we experience in seasons and in rhythms and over and over i, I die to myself in new ways 
And then I experience new kinds of hope. And in between, I experience burial. Over and over again throughout my life, the Lord tending to my wounds, wrapping my brokenness in the linen and the spices, restoring my dignity, caring for me during that in-between process. That's a theology of burial. In burial, the Lord preserves my wounds. What are the implications? A few thoughts. Like, what, is, what, is this, what does this mean, right? Number one, in burial, your wounds are a reminder. So when Jesus came out of the tomb, we'll get there next week. Spoiler alert, Jesus comes out of the tomb. Um, he's, he's got this, he's live and somehow changed, and yet he still has the wounds. He still has the, the marks in his hands and his side. We, we read that the soldier pierced his side. Must have been quite a wound. The blood and the water began to spill out. John actually is really going to lengths to, to, to make it very, very clear that Jesus actually died. Because there's always, always been uh, theories about, well, maybe he didn't actually die. Maybe he didn't really die. Maybe he just pretended to die. Maybe, maybe at the last second, God sort of like did like switcheroo, and it was just like a look-alike. These are like real things. And John is emphatic. No, Jesus died, like really died. And yet, when he came out of the tomb, he still had the wounds. And the wounds, your wounds, my wounds, are a reminder. They're a reminder that God's victory is won in a very strange way. In vulnerability and in weakness, God's power is fully maximized. My wounds that I still carry to this day are a constant and often painful reminder of just how God uses power. Of how God won the great victory and secured my freedom, your freedom, new life. Like, how does he do that? God doesn't drop bombs. God comes low. God doesn't dominate with an iron fist. He lays his life down, suffers death for us. And Jesus has the marks that are a constant reminder. I have the marks. Paul says, that he's writing to the Galatians, and towards the end of the letter, he says to his accusers, now leave me alone. I bear the marks of Christ. Your wounds are a reminder of how God's strange victory is won, and is always won. Every time you think, what I really just need is more control. I just need more power. I need more knowledge. Because with more knowledge, then I can manage or control or coerce or somehow just completely avoid all of the pain in my life. And then I look at my hands and I feel my side and I'm reminded, oh yeah, that's right. 
God's power is made perfect in my weakness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lord, help me. So somehow um, this next season of my life um, will involve um, vulnerability. Not simply gaining strength in order to control, but perhaps gaining courage in order to surrender and trust Jesus once again. Some of you, uh, I, I hope, can relate with this. After wrestling with God all night, you ever been in like a, one of those sort of uh, late night wrestling matches with God? You know what I mean? It's a metaphor. Maybe. <laughs> it's a season in life been going on for like what feels forever and and you're praying and you're asking God and you're crying out maybe you're not even a Christian but like you you understand like maybe if I cry out to the creator of the universe maybe God will meet me and you've been doing that for a while and now it's like getting towards like the it's 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 almost the night's almost past and you're wrestling with God and you're wrestling and it feels like God are you for me are you gonna bless me you're gonna help me you promised to heal me are you faithful? And we wrestle, we wrestle, and we wrestle. And then finally, God says, right, enough's enough. Let me go. And you're like, no, I'm not going to do it. Someone told me one time that you're a God who loves broken people and that you have the power to heal me. I'm not letting go. Fine. Be blessed. Oh, gosh, that hurt. You know the story I'm referring to? This is Jacob, one of the patriarchs, one of the ancients, wrestling with God at night, and he refuses to relent. And God finally says, right, wrestling match over, and he touches Jacob. He blesses him, but it says that from that moment on, Jacob walked with a limp. And all the children of Israel knew it. They celebrated it. It was a reminder that this is how the power of God is manifest. This is how his victory is won. So your wound is a reminder. You might walk with a limp. You're asking God to heal your limp, and God's like, no, I gave you that limp to remind you my power is made perfect in weakness. Don't forget that. Let me qualify it quickly. Our wounds are not to be an excuse for our sin. Our wounds are not an excuse to go on sinning using our wounds as a means to justify ungodliness. I met a guy one time who um, I, I was going to try to like tell him about Jesus. I was like in this, like I was on mission. Like I'm gonna tell anyone moves or breathes, I'm gonna tell them about Jesus. It's like one of those people. And I met this guy, this was back in Southern California, and um, he must have seen it coming. Because he told me, hey, you know, brother, 
I'm a selfish saint. And I was like, oh, well, okay, what, what is that? What does that mean? Well, you know, I, I love Jesus, and, um, you, know, you know, I'm saved, but I'm, you know, I'm just a selfish saint. So, you know, but God, God knows, God understands. I, I've, I've gotten needs. I've got, I, I've got an arrangement with Jesus. And I won't go into all the details, but he, he had sinned. He was sinning, and it somehow come up with an alliteration to justify his sin. And I, I totally went for it. I'm like, well, shoot. I mean, if it's alliterated, it must be biblical. <clears throat> um, the world doesn't need more Christians alliterating their sin. You don't need to look at your sin and figure out a way to work around it, coming up with an alliteration for it so that you can just avoid actually surrendering to Jesus. Um, there is no healing in good alliterations if it means you're just simply using, um, like oftentimes we say, we, in the name of authenticity, I'm just being myself. I'm being true to myself. And so God wouldn't want me to do otherwise. And therefore, I, I can just not actually deal with what this really is. And the fact that Jesus is calling me to surrender. To call sin what it is. And say, Lord Jesus, you died to set me free from this. God help me. <clears throat> your wounds are a reminder. Secondly, your wounds are evidence. Your wounds are evidence. When Jesus uh, came out of the tomb, there was a disciple named Thomas who had a hard time believing the story. I love Thomas. He's an honest guy, an honest skeptic. I won't believe it. All of his friends, like, they're like Thomas, we, I'm telling you, we had a meeting, you weren't there, and Jesus showed up. Like, we all saw it, so, like, just don't, just believe. Stop being difficult. We all have intellectual objections, all right? You're not special, just believe. No, I won't, I can't, I won't. I won't believe unless I can put my finger in his side, because I saw that. Well, I, was, I was from a distance, but I saw that spear going to his side. Thomas needed to see that wound up close in order to believe. And for many people, talk about being on mission. So as a church, we're, like, we're on mission. Like we want to introduce people to Jesus. Like that's, I know that's super offensive, but whatever. <laughs> Judge all you want. We are on a mission to introduce our city, our friends, the world to Jesus. Because Jesus is alive and he's really, really good. And he's who we're looking for. And a lot of people, they need more than just me telling them. This is what you should believe. Your ideology is lame. Mine's better. You should believe what I believe. Not super convincing sometimes. I think more and more we're living in a world of Thomases. This, yeah, I've heard the story. Heard it my whole life. But is it real? 
What evidence do you have that you were once broken and then Jesus did something and set you free? Well, there was this. Is this evidence enough? Oh, I didn't claim to be perfect. It's still quite sore, actually. The scars um, lost a lot of feeling. It's very uncomfortable. In fact, I'm actually quite embarrassed of it. I don't really like to talk about it, but if it helps you, I'll tell you exactly where I came from and where I'm at and what Jesus is up to in my life. And the world needs to see our wounds. It's a kind of evidence that this isn't just an idea. This isn't just a competing ideology. I was once blind. And I met Jesus. And he gave me sight. I was once this person. And look, I got the limp to prove it. I've got the scar tissue. Oh, it's ugly. But it's evidence. Jesus touched me. Your wounds are a reminder. Your wounds are evidence. And finally, this is my last point because it's three points. I wish I had an alliteration. I tried so hard. No alliteration. Reminder, evidence. Finally, your wounds are preparation. The burial was on the day of preparation. Now, I don't want to make too much of it because that's just bad theology. But the burial took place on the day of preparation. Let me read to you um, from one of Paul's letters. This is uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Eternal things. Wounds hurt, but we can take heart. We will experience hard things, trials, tribulations, shame, betrayal, unfulfilled desires, deep desires, legitimate desires in this life and still take heart. We may be pressed on every side, but we're not crushed because the greater one, God's spirit, God's love is at work on the inside of us, pushing back against the darkness. The living one, the greater one who fights for us, sustains us, even in our wounds, even in our pain. In this life, wounds hurt, but we can still take heart. 
because in pain we can experience a closeness with God unlike virtually any other aspect of life. Our wounds prepare us to experience God's love. That is the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Some of you um, not only have wounds, because we all have wounds, but you have wounds that are still very, very sore. And it's not just the wounds that you received before you met Jesus. It's the wounds you get along the way, carrying in our very bodies the death of Jesus so that we might also experience his life, his comfort his strength, the way he loves the little ones, the weak, the outcasts. And you might be wondering, so what exactly is the timeline? What exactly is the timeline? To whom shall I go and what for? The pleasures of life are here in the presence of the Lord. When do I get to feel that? When does that get to become my reality? Did did I miss it? Is everyone else feeling it except for me? Have Have you ever asked yourself that? When? When? Some of you will continue waiting for that experience until the day you go to be with Jesus. Guys, that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. Some of you have a theology of resurrection that is grossly over-realized. You think that because you're not actually experiencing uh, full healing, full joy, having all your desires met, like within the decade, that somehow like God must not be real or he hates me or I, I have like secret sin or something. I, I don't know. I don't know how to, how to process it. But I'd like to tell you, my friends, that it's perhaps not any of those things. It's perhaps the eternal ache in every one of our hearts that longs to be home with Jesus. And we won't, we won't experience that in fullness until we go home. Our bodies will experience decay. And we will receive new wounds in this life. And we will still have hope. And we will still get foretastes of God's goodness in the land of the living. And don't settle for anything less. But we won't experience the fullness of God's love until we go to be with him up close, face to face, Some of you have been praying for healing and praying for healing and praying because it's not even the pain, it's the loneliness. It's the loneliness. And you're praying and you're crying out to God, Lord, when? Lord, when? Lord, when? And I think that for some of you, maybe all of us to varying degrees won't experience, won't get that desire fulfilled until we go home and oh goodness when we do 
When we do, I am convinced that some of you, because I know most of you personally in here, you're going to go into heaven, and oh my goodness, there's going to be a billion angels that arise, that erupt in ovation because you stayed true, because Jesus sustained you, because you, you, you didn't give up. You loved till the end. You loved till the end. And you think, why God? When God? You come home, and oh my goodness, the angels are like, oh, it's that, it's that one, it's that one. It's the same. It's that one who fought, who believed, who endured till the end. Heaven erupts, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then the king himself descends his throne. He comes up right close to you, looks at you. You're, you're of course, compelled to fall on your face, but he says, arise, oh, arise. Well done, well done, oh, well done. Welcome home. Come home. In his presence, there is pleasure forevermore. Your wounds are preparing you. Can I invite the worship team to join me up front, please? Take heart. Psalm 27, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And the last verse, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In burial, keep waiting, take heart. Jesus is faithful. Can we stand together, please?